the same power that resurrected him from the dead will, get, will come into this earthly corruptible body making it immortal and making it uncorruptible you and I have a promise in God's word all through God's word that there is a better day coming and it all started with conversations around the fireplace generations prior to the coming of Jesus in Bethlehem when we think about Christmas it's easy for us to get caught up in the event of Christmas I'm careful in my own life, and as I've been pastor these many years, we always go through the Advent during the Christmas season. This year, because of schedules and Jason Crabb coming and me going to Israel, it just didn't seem like I would be giving it the sacredness it deserves. So while we'll, the message of preparing our hearts for the coming of the Lord will still be what we do over Christmas, we won't be lighting those Advent candles this year. We will be picking that right back up next year because I love the sacredness and the reverence of that. The importance of the Advent is not the candle, though. The importance is the mission of Christmas, what it truly represents. As we prepare our hearts, we don't want to get caught up in the lights and all the activities and all the the festivals and all the, the cakes Pecan pies. Coming off Thanksgiving, you'd think I would be a little more strong, but uh, I love those, those desserts. We love Christmas. We love gift giving. We love the celebrations. We love the lights. We love to decorate. Those are, there's nothing wrong with those things, but they become wrong when we forget about God when we forget about God. And that's where the book of Amos comes in because the people had forgotten God. They had literally lost sight of who they were and their traditions, their rituals, the things that they'd been given and passed down from generations. They'd lost all that and got completely caught up in all of the, the events, the new traditions that they had put together. And I fear sometimes that we get lost in the event of Christmas. That it becomes sometimes nothing more than just a gift, a light, a tree, or even a song. I, I wrote something the other night, and uh, it's a little cheesy, but if you'll endure me, I would like you to hear the creativity of your pastor. <laughs> Christianity has become one of the greatest events known to Christianity, and so Christmas has become one of the greatest events known to Christianity. So, here we go. We grow up dreaming about, thinking about that night. We light up our homes, decorate our houses, bake cookies in honor of the first Noel. The beautiful night sky, heaven's host that came upon a midnight clear, tucked away in a manger, in O little town of Bethlehem. It was an O holy night with angels we have heard on high singing the hallelujah chorus. It was all about a star and a baby born to Joseph and Mary. And while Joseph was still scratching his head saying, Mary, did you know? The angels were singing 
O come, O come, Emmanuel. Shepherds in a field nearby came running to find where the star and angels singing were leading them. They showed up where Jesus lay in swaddling clothes, humming a tune. Then they asked Joseph, do you hear what I hear? Joseph shushed them as he pointed to the baby Jesus, saying, he's sleeping. It's a silent night. Please talk softly and tenderly. He offered them food and a place to crash for the night, patted them on the back with a smile, showing them the end just across the field. He said, God rest you, merry gentlemen. By morning, the world was different. It took a while, but eventually word got out. I'm serious, y'all. The people all around were like, go tell it on the mountain. And soon, everybody was showing up. Big news over the hills and everywhere. The innkeeper was selling out every night there for a while, and why not? I mean, he did buy billboards all over town that said, Oh, come, all ye faithful. Time passed, and soon an entourage of VIPs showed up at their house. It was one night, that night. Mary was pondering in her heart as she watched little Jesus play. Hmm, she said, what child is this? When these three... Magi came knocking on the door. She asked who they were. When one of them piped up and said, we, three kings of Orient are. And they brought the house down with cool gifts and whatnots for sweet little Jesus boy. And it was joy to the world, goodwill to all men, peace on earth. And oh, happy day. All wrapped up in one little baby Jesus. When suddenly... Outside, they heard something strange and foreign. It was a little drummer boy dude singing, All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Oh, wait, that's another story. Thank you. I won't feel rejected as I get on the plane today now. Christmas become an event that's really nothing more than songs. It's nothing more than just parties, gatherings. And I'm afraid in the church it's become festivals. It's become these things. And while I said earlier, these are not wrong and I'm not pronouncing them or condemning them as sin. I am, I am saying to us this morning, we can't forget the mission. We can't forget that Christmas is not an event. Christmas was not an event when heaven sent the Son out from the presence of God and the holy angels of the Lord that night. It wasn't an event. It was a mission. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Christmas was so much more than just an event. It was uh, uh, an extravaganza, if you will, that shook the world. It shifted everything. It turned the old Israel on its tail. It was something that was meant to be a mission for the world. And it was decided long before that first Bethlehem night. It was decided before the worlds were even framed. If we look at John chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, capital W, 
and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Revelation 13 and 8 says, All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Christmas was so much more than just an event. It's a mission. We can walk away from our cemeteries. We can walk away from our hospitals because we know that we know that we know he is, they, they have been sent to the earth. Jesus came to the earth as a missionary to bring rescue to us who were lost and needed a savior, a gospel mission, if you will. About a king coming to earth through the baby Jesus and as I read the scripture in Amos, I don't necessarily feel that comes across as necessarily Christmassy. But I think that it will show us the purpose of Christmas if we'll look at it pretty close. You see, Amos had five visions. He had five visions and they, he was not a prophet. He was not someone who was down in the religious circles. He wasn't in that crowd. He was somebody who lived way south in the middle of a field. He was somebody who was a farmer. He grew sycamore figs. He didn't get anybody's business. He just served God and he served God faithfully. In his faithfulness to the Lord, the Lord spoke to him because the Lord was looking for a voice because the world had gotten so caught up in all that they wanted for themselves. They'd gotten all of their attention was now on themselves, their families, what they wanted to accomplish who they wanted to be, that they no longer remembered God. They had forgotten God. From the church all the way to the government, to the people who lived in the big city of Jerusalem, they literally had all forgotten where they had come from. God was determined that Jesus would not leave the portals of glory, come down into this earth, give his life on that cross, and us try to cash in a ticket on Buddha or Hinduism in the last day trying to get into heaven. We live in a time, I believe it's much like the days of Amos when Christianity, did I just come into the world? <laughs> okay, now I feel awkward. <laughs> Thanks guys. His five visions Amos had were given to him from God because when God was looking for a voice, when he was looking for someone who would speak, can I just say this? God will always have a people. God will always have a voice. He'll always have someone. There's always some grandma somewhere, a grandpa somewhere, or father, or mother, or young man, or young lady that's found their prayer closet and they're getting a hold of God. There's always going to be that someone that will deny <clears throat> the fleshly things of this world, will make the sacrifices that are necessary to stay close to God. Let me tell you something. I've lived a few years, and I've come to realize that my home is not here. My home is somewhere else. I'm a citizen of another country. I don't care about the things here. I'm not interested in accomplishments and achievements here. I, I want to do my best for the Lord. I want to work for the kingdom. I'm excited to go to Israel. There, I, my hope is that I'll be able to pack 
my pockets full of all kinds of things that I can bring home to you because my heart is that I do it for the kingdom and do it for the calling upon my life. I have no other interest in this world except pleasing him, standing before him. When I get there, I want to hear those welcoming words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to serve him. I want to be one that finds his prayer closet. I want to be one that knows the power in fasting. I want to be one who knows what it is to glance up into the eastern sky on a beautiful sunny day and not be concerned about the stress of the politics around me or the trouble in town. I want to know that I am more concerned about kingdom things than I am the things of this world. I want to know that in the hour of trouble and need, he can call on me. That's the desire of the children of God. Liz, I know. I know how you are. I remember the night that Virgil went to heaven and I walked in your front door. When I walked in your front door, the power of the Holy Spirit that was present in that house about blew me over onto the ground. I sensed and felt the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know you're a prayer warrior. I know you're someone who locks herself away in that closet. I know that because of your faithfulness, you'll be reunited with Virgil Ambergy and the power of God is going to give you the lift you need to make it all the way across. I know when I see someone who's given their life and sacrifice and God knows it too. And as he looked down through Jerusalem, through every street, through every alley, he was trying to find an unselfish, non-arrogant, deceived uh, person who, who didn't have a clue what was really going on. He was looking for someone that wasn't so absolutely, completely concerned with their own desires and their own will. He was looking for someone who could speak for him, someone who could send a message to the church because ultimately, even though it looks at times like God is coming down in wrath because of anger, he's not. He's coming down in judgment because he's a just God and he knows the power that comes with justice and the spirit of the Lord that works in us is drawing us, wooing us, calling us, enticing us. He's done everything in his power. He's laid a red carpet for every one of us. Will not one of us stand before the presence of God and have an excuse for our worldliness, for our immorality, for our deception. Not one of us will stand and have an argument to place before the throne of grace. But no, we will be there only if we have found our way to the blood-stained cross of Calvary. And we've given our lives in complete sacrifice and submission to him. It's not a good deed. I'm not supposed to be or you're not supposed to be a special person because we've given our life to the Lord. That's the way it should be. Paul said, I crucify this flesh every day. I die daily to the things of this world because I have a heart for the things beyond. He said, I press towards the mark of the high prize of the calling of Jesus Christ. That is the hope of the Christian, the one who's given himself in complete dedication to the Lord. And God goes looking for those people. God goes looking for those people. He found Amos in a field picking figs. He gave him five visions. And they were five visions of judgment. 
It was a synopsis of exactly what was happening in the world. And can I say, it's exactly what's happening in our world today. Being a pastor in 2019, it's probably, I can't really probably use anything as a reference, but it's probably one of the hardest jobs there is. When you can't even turn on a television over the holiday, I was so offended the other evening. Sitting in a recliner trying to just rest a little bit, had a headache, and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to watch TV. And I turned on the TV. Liz, I was humiliated and embarrassed. This was not some channel you're supposed to pay for. This was ABC, CBS, primetime, sitcom. What happened to me, man? My sitcoms were Gilligan's Island. You know, my mama thought Charlie's Angels was risque. Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, I watched. Three's Company, Lucy. My, how they've changed. The things they joke about. The things they laugh at. The things we laugh at now. The things they talk about should be embarrassing to people. I mean, I've been away from it. So I, I don't watch regular TV ever, hardly. I watch Netflix most of the days if I'm not watching news. And when I pick something, it's mostly Disney Plus channel these days. I don't, I didn't have a clue we'd gotten so bad. A regular sitcom show, you can't watch it. It's humiliating. It's embarrassing. It's disgusting. It's degrading. It's, I don't want, the, I think they think I'm stupid. I'm ignorant that I would enjoy that kind of loose talk and immorality. You think it's funny? I don't. I was thoroughly offended and turned it off, and I'll not go back to regular primetime TV except during the day. Olivia Newton-John might be on the talk show. <laughs> Worldliness has creeped in to the church, creeped into the lives of Christians. We've let down our standards and we've gone crazy. The world has definitely gone crazy. I mean, when I was young, people used to get up in church and they'd say, the Lord, it can't get any worse. If God don't come soon, he's going to have to raise up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize. I can't count how many times I heard preachers say that. T.L. Lowry, Ray Hughes, Lane Sargent, they all said it. God's going to have to raise up Sodom and Gomorrah and apologize. Well, it's past that. It's gone way past that. He's coming soon. And if he was close enough then that preachers used to say that, let me tell you something. He's as close now closer than he has ever been to the coming, his soon return. Oh, I can almost hear a trumpet sound. I can almost sense the, the, the rustling around heaven. I've been feeling that for months and months, that there's a rustling in heaven. I can almost sense and feel that there is a, a, a world-shaking event about ready to take place. Because I believe with all my heart, the Lord, like he looked at the 
the country of Israel, but he looked at the nation of Israel during this time of Amos, and he had to have a word. I believe he's at that same place right now, and we need to wake up as a church and realize we've got to get away from the fleshly things, the worldly things. Can I say this in 2019? Will you run me out? I think we've become immoral. I think we've become unholy. I think we've become unrighteous. I think we've, we're making a mockery of the blood of Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross because we who are supposed to be imputed with the righteousness of Jesus are living lives like infidels. We live in idolatry. We live in immorality. We live in sinfulness. We we laugh at the world, we wink at the world, we go to the worldly places, we do those things. I know it sounds like I'm preaching Church of God 1975, but you know what, I think we've just gone way too far on this other side. I think it's gotten too loose, and I think we need to get back to living a holy life. I'm not talking about a list of do's and don'ts where you gotta wear your hair three miles high, and you gotta take off all the makeup, and you can't wear good, decent slacks or anything. I'm not talking about those things that kind of handcuffed the Christian back in the day, but I am talking about a holy, be holy because I am holy. I'm talking about being righteous. I'm talking about being pure in your mind and your heart before God. I'm talking about knowing that heaven is real and hell is hot. I'm talking about a people that need to remember that the blood was spilled at Calvary for immorality and that is the hope of glory. His name is Jesus. He came on Bethlehem's holy night. It's more than just jingle bells and a song called Silent Night. It was the fulfillment of a mission. It was the fulfillment of a mission. You could see the mothers and fathers for generations who would sit around talking to their children at night with the fireplace going. They would talk to one another. They would tell, they would retell the stories of the prophets who would tell them that there is coming a rescuer, is coming a savior, a messiah. And they would fill the kids' eyes like it, like it was Christmas. One day, kids, a messiah is going to come. He's going to be a king. Wow, mom, a, a real king? He's going to be a king of all kings. He's going to be a prince of all princes. He's going to be a bright and a morning star. He's going to be the lily of the valley. He's going to be the morning, morning glory. He's going to be the one that we're waiting for. He's coming, and when he comes, he's going to make everything right. It's all going to be good. There will be no more need of sacrifices. What, Mom? What did you say? There will be no need. He's coming to bring a new and a living way. He's going to come and bring once for all redemption to the people. He's going to set up his kingdom. He's going to rule and reign in Jerusalem. Mom, he's really coming to our city? Yes, he's coming. The prophets told us of old. Guys, you've got to get ready. You've got to be watching. We don't know what hour the Messiah might come. You can almost see the kids saying, can we put out cookies and milk? tonight just in case the Messiah comes generation after generation told their stories they raised up their young men their young ladies to be gentlemen and ladies and raised them up in faith they raised them up in the way they should go they taught them the pure word of God 
There was desire, hunger, and thirst after righteousness. This was the early church. This was the pre-Christmas church. We're a lot like that today. We, we find ourselves looking a lot like Israel in Amos' time. And as I mentioned, when God was looking for a voice, he was looking for someone to speak to. He went looking in a field of sycamore figs. He couldn't find a Pharisee. He couldn't find a priest, a high priest. He couldn't find anybody in Israel. They were all, if you read the accounts and study the book of Amos, they were, they were taking advantage of the people. They were robbing the older folks. They were, they were over-tithing and over-taxing. They were taking care of, I mean, the, the rich were rich and the poor were even poorer. And all the people suffered sickness and disease. And the, the immorality was horrible. The debauchery was unbelievable. And the place had gotten to the point where they had gotten so far away from God that the Bible says they had forgotten God. And we live in a day and an hour much like that today. And church, I want to be an Amos. I've, had, I've been convicted in my own spirit that we've got to get back to the things that build a church. We've got to get back to the things that don't just build a crowd. Is that all right? Not just things that will build a crowd things that will build the church, things that will build the kingdom. This is what they said in Amos chapter 5. God said this, he said, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord, for what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him, or as though he went into the house, leaned his hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Is it not very dark with no brightness in it? Verse 21, God says this. I hate, I despise your feast days. And I do not savor your sacred assemblies. Though you offer me burnt offerings and your grain offerings, I will not accept them, nor will I regard your fattened peace offerings. Take away from me the noise of your songs, for I will not hear the melody of your stringed instruments. Where most of the prophets of the Old Testament would try to soften their harsh words. We find that Amos chapter after chapter, nine chapters in the book of Amos, and from one all the way to chapter nine, he just gives the judgment of God. He was an outspoken, opinionated man. He carried himself in such a way that you never had to wonder what he thought. And God called on him to go and give the warning. He gave the warning to the people through five visions. The last vision included the mercy of God. There's always, in this beautiful thing we know about the Lord, there's mercy, there's grace. I love to preach about grace. I love to preach about mercy. But it comes with also saying that while he is so merciful, why I am so grateful for the love that he's shown me in my life, for the way that he forgave me over and over again while I was stumbling my way, trying to find my way into discipleship. So thankful that he didn't cut me out and didn't cast me away. I'm so thankful for the grace and the mercy of God. He's a gracious God. He's a good God. He's a loving God. 
he is awesome and mighty in every way, but he is also a God who is just. Try to explain what that means when people say, you know, hey, man, I, I, God is a God of love, grace, mercy. And whatever path I choose, I'm going to end up there, you know, because God knows I'm just finding my way. No. He said it's a narrow path. A narrow path that leads to righteousness and few there be that find it. Is it all right today? We're just talking truth. Because this is the reality of what real Christmas is. Really understanding what, why we're worshiping. What's so sacred about the beauty, and the wonder, and the majesty of angels singing hosannas to shepherds running to find the star, where the star is brought to the earth. The beauty of it, it's more than a pageant. It's more than a, than a Christmas show. It's life. It's who we are. It's the heritage of those who have been engrafted into the line. It's the heritage of the family of God. I can't wait to go and touch the Mount of Olives. I can't wait to get on a boat and go out on the Sea of Galilee. I can't wait to go up to Mount Moriah where I know Abraham took his boy and halfway up that mountain when he had gotten up so far his young son looking at him and saying, Dad, we've got the wood. We've got all that we need here. Where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, looking at his son, curiously into his eyes, and then glancing up into the heavens. He was a friend of God. He said, son, don't worry about it. God will provide a lamb for himself. Not only was he talking about how the Lord would intervene, he knew in his heart the Lord would intervene in that situation miraculously, even if he had to raise him from the dead. He also was speaking prophetically about what was coming to the earth. God intended from the very beginning to save us. He intended from the very beginning to redeem us. He wanted a way for us to find him. So there'll be, as I mentioned, no one stand in excuse before the throne of God. All of us will stand without excuse when we understand and know the depths that God has went to to bring redemption into our lives. How he has gone the extra mile and went so far to prove his love for us. He, all throughout the Old Testament, he sent, he sent word through prophets over 500 plus times. You'll find prophetic phrases, prophetic scriptures in the word of God in the Old Testament referring and pointing to Jesus Christ as he would come to be the Messiah. Oh, all throughout the word of God, Emmanuel was coming. Emmanuel, who is God with us. He was looking for a way into our hearts, and he still longs for that today. But God is a God of justice, and there is a day coming when the mercy will be done. The grace will end, and then it's time, a day of reckoning. On that day, when that day comes, judgment comes, and it always begins. Can I say this at the house of God? It begins here because we who know truth, we who have been enlightened to the light of God and we've been called out of the darkness and 
We've been set free and washed and cleansed. We are without excuse when we stand before the Lord. There is a, a world that is dying, a world that is lost, a world that is confused. They don't know if they're a boy or a girl. They don't know who they are or where they come from. They have no legacy and no heritage of faith. And for years and years, they've looked at the church trying to be their buddy. And they've thought there is no answer to be found among them. But if we will stand up in the justness and the righteousness and the holiness of God, we will see the power of the Holy Spirit begin to break the chains and the fetters that hold them back. And there'll be a revival such as happened on the day of Pentecost. We've just got to be who we're supposed to be. This may not sound much like Christmas, but I'm telling you it's probably one of the most Christmassy messages I've ever preached. Because it's the purpose and the value of Christmas. When astronaut James Irwin went and stood on the moon, he got out of the, the capsule and he walked on the moon. He says that for the first time in his life, that day as he stepped out and walked on the moon, he looked across the horizon and could see the blue ball, marble looking of earth. And he said for the first time in his life, with tears in his eyes, he said his first prayer to God. He prayed. And when he got done praying, he said he thought to himself and he said these words, what is more important than man walking on the moon is that God should walk on earth, that he should be welcomed on earth, that we should pray the prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I want you to stand with me this morning. You know, I was... Traveling down the highway on I-675, coming back from a conference. And Pastor Richard and Pastor Cam were in my car. And we were coming back from, from the Church of God up there where we had just had a conference. And we were flying and I was speeding. I was speeding real good. Real good. I'm just confessing. Before I knew it, we, what, we drove into a construction zone where it, the, the speed limit w went down double. And the next thing I know, there's blue lights in my rearview mirror. And I pull over and I'm like, that's it, boys. I'm done. It's over. Pastor Richard, they'll take me away. I'm like, oh, no. And I'm just so nervous because, you see, I'm someone who respects law enforcement. I didn't get much of an amen, just a little over here. I'm one who respects law enforcement. I honor that they keep us safe and that they work hard for us and that there are good cops. There are great cops, wonderful cops, law enforcement of any kind. And so because I respect them, I was nervous. I pulled out my wallet, shake it, Ray, try to look calm. Don't act guilty. But I am. So I roll the window down and a little lady walks up. Flashlight. What are you boys up to? Uh, just going home. Where you been? Columbus. I'm a pastor. Here's my assistant pastor and that's the youth pastor. I did. 
He said, we're, we're coming back from a church conference. You've been at a church conference. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I said, I, I didn't see the construction. I, I was speeding. He goes, yeah. Do you know how fast you were going? Yeah, yeah, I, I know. You were going to, you were coming from a church conference. You're pastors. Yeah. She says, we'll be right back. She walks in, I'm like, I'm doomed. This is over. This is, she's going to put me in handcuffs and put me in the car. It's over. Reckless op, surely. This is terrible. I could have knocked a cone over. She comes back to the car a few minutes later. Man, just wait a little while, I might add. She comes up and she goes, Mr. Phillips, here's your license. I'm waiting for the bad news, for the, that big, long, you know, piece of paper. And she goes, uh, you be careful out there. She goes, I'm going to let you go. I said, you are? I didn't want to get a push it. I wasn't hugging her neck. <laughs> come here, baby, come <laughs> No. <laughs> I just caught a free, a free pass. I'm not about to mess that up. But I, I said, thank you. She said, you be careful. Yes, ma'am. Roll up the window. And so crystal clear, I saw mercy. She was justly right in giving me a big ticket. She showed me mercy. You see, he's, he's a good God. He's looking to show us mercy. But don't forget that he's just. We can't break his laws, disregard his truth, trample under our feet the blood of his son expect that we can get in heaven on a free pass he wants to show mercy but he's just this was what Christmas was all about Christmas is not an event Christmas is a mission and I'm thankful I'm grateful that through Jesus Christ gave me a warning gave me a warning I am indeed a God of justice, God of judgment, 
But the warnings that you read and that you hear are warnings laced with love. For my word declares freedom. My word declares victory. I have pre-planned for you to walk in a power that gives you the ability to go through the different trials of your life as a prize of faith. Look to me today with loving eyes and know that I am a God who will lead you correctly and rightly. I will not forsake you. I will order your steps and I have in front of me your victory. You must trust in me. Do not trust in your own ingenuity and thought. Don't give yourself the credit. Give me the rightful place in your life and I shall direct you, says the Lord. I have come to bring life. I have come to bring joy. I have come that you might be set free. But you must allow my work in you. I am here. Trust in me. Respond to my Holy Spirit. And live the life you were meant to live, says God. Hallelujah. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning, and you know that you're guilty, you know that the life that you've been living, that you you know you're not right with God. You either once knew him, maybe you've never known him, and today is a, a day of, of a fresh, beautiful commitment to Christ. Or maybe you knew him, you have known him, but you've fallen so far away from him. You want to renew and rededicate that commitment to him. But you're here. You need to be right with the Lord. He's got so much for you. He's got so much planned for you. He wants to use you. He wants to call on you. He wants to fulfill you and satisfy the deep longing in your own heart for purpose and meaning for your own life. It's not in the achievements. It's in the one who fills you, who satisfies you. That's the fulfillment that leads to life. If you're here today and you need Jesus, you need to come back to him. You need to come to him for the first time. You need to make him Lord of your life. Then I would ask you to simply just slip up your hand and write back down. And we're going to pray with you tonight. God bless you. Is there anyone else? I want to pray, Pastor. I want to pray to get right with the Lord. I need things right with me and Jesus. I want to pray that prayer with you. Anyone else? Christians are praying right now. I feel to, to wait. God bless you. I see your hand. I want to be right with you, Lord. I want things to be right. All right, we're going to pray. As we pray this prayer, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be going to work together with your submission to bring you into a new place, a place you've never, perhaps never been before, but a place of great intimacy with Jesus. Let's pray together. Church, help us. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my Lord. 
You are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You rose from the dead. You purchased my salvation. Now I give you my life. Be Lord of my life. I believe it. I confess it. According to your word, I'm saved. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you for your prayers while we're gone. Uh, next Sunday is the children's play, The Little Drummer Boy Dude, which is where I got that from my, my, my great masterpiece of literature. Um, God bless you. I love you. I'll see you in, you know, two Sundays I'll be back. And so uh, I'm only missing one. I'll be back the next Sunday, so you're stuck. Sorry. But uh, I love you very much, and uh, I'll be thinking of you and praying for you while we're over there. Amen. Let's appreciate our pastor bringing the word this morning. He, uh, he will be uh, taking off, so to speak, here just momentarily. So he's going to be hitting the ground running. Uh, but as uh, we are closing down the service, we want to remind you, uh, this weekend has been a large weekend with Thanksgiving and all the different festivities, people coming in from out of town. Uh, tonight we will not have service and that's so people can say their goodbyes to their families and tidy up from the weekend with families loving and taking care of each other. So we are uh, going to be dismissed, but we're uh, going into a big weekend, our big season of holiday with Christmas, and uh, we will see you this week, and we will see you next Sunday. God bless you.